Are you ready to invest in yourself today? Welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. Where investment leader Billy Epperhart teaches you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom. Scripture says in Deuteronomy 8.18, Remember the Lord, your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. At Wealth Builders, our goal is to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Hello and welcome to the Wealth Builders Podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us today. I'm Karen Conrad. Vice President of Wealth Builders, and I am so excited to be starting a series with our team on real estate. We just came off of an amazing Wealth Builders conference, and I talked to many of you, and real estate is something that is really on people's hearts right now. And when we see that, we know that there is something coming that the Holy Spirit is guiding us into in the area that we have a desire to pursue. And we know that God's will for us is to build wealth for the purposes of the kingdom. And through Wealth Builders, we are all about making sense of making money for making a difference. And real estate is Billy and Becky's favorite way to build wealth. And so we're grateful that in their experience, we all can learn from their successes. Uh, They say even their failures. But basically, we have the opportunity to really seize what God is putting on our heart in this area. And real estate is one of the best ways for us to pursue wealth. So today, I'm going to be talking about the key to getting started in real estate investing. We talk to people of all ages. Uh, Some people have own their own home and never really pursued real estate investing and all at once now just have on their heart like, you know what, we need to get in the game with real estate investing. Others are looking at purchasing their first property. And this podcast is going to help you to get started in real estate investing to understand this key. But it's also going to help those of you that have been in real estate investing and to understand this key as well to help you down the road to even do uh, more real estate investing or to understand more deeply some of the things that are required for successful real estate investing. So here is the key. This is a statement I'm going to read to you. You might want to write this down and it is this. The real estate business is not about real estate. It is about finance. I'm going to repeat that. The real estate business is not about real estate. It is about finance. Those of you that have done some real estate investing are all nodding your heads out there saying, Amen, Karen. Uh, We really had to learn that uh, as well this last year, but I'm telling you, it is key. And if you know this going in, it's going to help you tremendously. I'm going to be sharing eight secrets with you to position yourself well in this area of finance. And I want to lay a foundation to help you understand why this is so important. It's called the law of leverage. This was a a key that Billy was teaching on in one of the past real estate workshops that 
just like dropped in Dave and my heart and head. Like we got it. We got a revelation when he was explaining it. And it's really foundational to understanding the value of real estate investing, even compared to other types of investing. So I'm going to give you a scenario, an example. Let's say that I've got $10,000 that I've saved up and I am looking for something to invest in to yield a good return. I could look at stocks, bonds, investments, and let's say I put my money in $10,000 and I made a 10% return on that money. I think we'd all agree that's a really good return. So at the end of that year, I would get my $10,000 back plus the $1,000 in earnings. Now let's compare that to putting that same $10,000 into real estate. If I take that $10,000 and I invest in real estate and I use that as my down payment, then I would finance 90%. Just for simplicity purposes, let's say I buy a, a property for $100,000. And let's say I get that same increase of 10% in a year, which is very viable. Matter of fact, the market that we're buying in here in Florida last year had a 25% increase year over year. But I just read an article that they're expecting across America on average in 2022, that real estate will increase in value 10%. So if I buy the $100,000 property and I get a return or an increase in value of 10%, it's not a $1,000 increase like in my investments. It's a $10,000 increase because I'm earning 10% on the entire asset, the entire property, not just on my down payment. In addition to that, it's tax-free in that year of increase. Uh, unless you sell the property, you might have some capital gains on that, but the value of the home goes up 10% and you do not pay taxes on that increase. And while we won't have time to get into it in detail, but we'll talk about it more with the upcoming real estate workshop, a cash out refinance is a great option too, because that allows you to pull that increased equity out of your property to use it for more investing. So that's a good foundation for us as we talk about the key of finance. Now, I'm going to be talking about eight secrets to share with you that is going to help you in understanding finance and also in the pursuit of getting the right financing or the best financing, the best interest rates for your real estate property. All right, secret number one, know how the lending markets work. There is a lot to understand about the markets, and I'm going to just kind of give you some high-level bullet points so that you understand how to get started. Many of you know I was in banking for 25 years, so and then before that, my dad was all my life a CEO of a bank, so I've really lived in this world my entire life, and I understand a lot of this, but it's helped me tremendously in pursuit of finding the right financing, and there's a lot that I didn't know that you're going to be learning here from this podcast and certainly from you are part of Wealth Builders University or attending the real estate workshop. One of the main things that we encourage you to do as you get started in real estate investing is to build a relationship with your local bank. Most all of us have got our savings account, checking account, uh, maybe some lines of credit, maybe we've done a car loan, 
at our local bank. And oftentimes a community bank has got some real estate programs that they keep in-house. The term in-house means that when they do the loan on the property, instead of selling it for servicing somewhere else, they actually hold it in the bank. And this gives them the flexibility to adhere to their own underwriting standards rather than trying to adhere to the secondary market or someone else's underwriting standards. The benefit in that is that your banker knows you and they're able to bring that relationship and their knowledge and their relationship with you to the table in something called a loan committee where they review different types of loans. And once you establish a relationship, there's a little bit more flexibility that a bank can offer because they have learned to see how you handle your money, uh, your local, they know where the properties are, and they know your market better than anybody. So talk to your banker and start to inquire what options they have for you to do financing with them. Many local banks have access to these in-house loans that I was just describing, but they also have access to the secondary market. Now, the secondary market is commonly referred to as the Freddie and Fannie loans. These are conventional loans that hit a certain meet a certain criteria of underwriting guidelines, and they are generally packaged and sold to service providers. If you can qualify for a secondary market loan or a Freddie Fannie loan, you're most often going to experience the lowest interest rate that's available in the market, probably some of the lower fees, but there is a cap on the number of loans that you can do in this area. Plus, there's guidelines that are coming out that are really tightening up the investment market with the secondary market loans. And so it's more important than ever to establish connections with even a real estate broker that is options outside of just the secondary market and your local bank. All right, secret number two is know your credit score. Your interest rates, your approvals, your fees, um, the amount that you have to put down on a property are often centered around your credit score. This is called your FICO score, which simply stands for Fair Isaac and Company. It's been around for a long time, and it is a model for credit scoring. Now, there's algorithms with this, and uh, they're changing all the time. And if you get with your lender, one of the questions that you want to ask them is, you know, do they understand credit scoring and how to help you to get in a position where you've got the highest credit score possible so that you can get into properties uh, for the least amount of money in the area of financing. So be aware of your credit score. Uh, there are credit card companies. If you've got a credit card, even with some of your current banks, they offer the service free of charge for you to monitor your credit score. You can also join with someone like Experian. That's who I've got a little subscription with that lets you know anytime that your credit report has a change on it and you can go in anytime and check your credit score. Be aware of that when you go in and talk to people about financing because you don't want people pulling your credit everywhere you go to talk about financing. That will actually drive your credit score down. And when you are aware of your credit score, you're able to do some things to keep that score at the highest level possible. Now, in the FICO credit score world, the highest score you can attain is 850. 
If you've got 760 or above, that's outstanding. 680 or above is good. 620 to 680 is danger zone. And if you're in the 500s, you really need some work before you go out and probably try to purchase a property. All right. Secret number three is know what matters to an underwriter. Those of you that have been in banking know that there are the four C's in underwriting. I'm going to be talking about two of those that will help you to be aware of as you get started in this process. First one is credit score, which we've talked about. Again, if you can get 760 or above, you're going to have the best rates possible and you're going to probably have the um, lower closing costs, maybe even a reduced down payment requirement as a result of that. The second C we're going to talk about is capacity. This is important for you to understand and you can even run these ratios yourself to know where you're at. Most of the products that you have on the secondary market are going to require what we call full documentation. That means that they're going to want to see your tax returns. They want your W-2s. They're going to want statements with all of your assets to show that your ability to make the down payment. And so if you gather all that information together and when you go talk to the lender, if you're prepared with that, that's going to really help them to determine what you can qualify for. And in that capacity, one of the main ratios they're going to run is something called a debt-to-income ratio, or it's referenced as the acronym DTI. And the ratio most of them are going to look at for your mortgage payment is going to be 28%. So having a debt-to-income ratio of 28% max with your principal interest taxes and insurance payment on your property. And then the back end ratio that we call it is generally 36%. And so that would take into consideration any credit card payments, maybe you have a car loan, and they want to see you no higher than 36%. One thing that I can tell you is that if you've got a very high credit score, you might be able to have some ability to push this ratio higher based on that credit score or cash reserves. So again, secret number three is know what matters to an underwriter and be prepared with that information. Secret number four is know what loan products are available. There's a lot of different types of loan products available and even more coming on the market right now for investment properties because of some recent changes, some tightening with the Fannie and Freddie loans, but I'm going to be talking about two main areas. It's simplistic, but it's going to give you an idea of what to at least be aware of in the process. The first one is called a fixed rate loan, and that's really where we're recommending in this incredible interest rate environment. It would be tough to justify anything but a fixed rate loan, especially if you're going to hold that property for a period of time, because you're able to lock that interest rate in for either 15 years or 30 years. And that just gives you the assurance that the principal and interest portion of the loan will never go up. So when you study real estate and you look at the trends, One thing you'll see is that over the last 75 years, rental rates have gone up consistently. So as a real estate investor, if we are able to lock in our principal and interest payment 
at a low amount. We know that in the future, our cash flows should increase, you know, in some cases exponentially as we hold that loan because the rental rates are going up higher and the difference between your payment and your rental rate is going to be your cash flow or your yearly income on that property. The other option is called ARMS, which stands for Adjustable Rate Mortgages. And these are most commonly in a 3151-101. And what this means is that your interest rate is locked for a 3-1 for three years, and then it adjusts based on a certain level above a fixed index, which could be the LIBOR rate or the other rates that are available. And it would adjust on an annual basis, and they would specify what adjustment that will be, when it will happen, what the margin is above the index, so that you want to make sure you understand that criteria before even considering an ARM loan. Uh, and then if it's a 5-1, it's fixed for five years, and then it would go into changing every year. Now, before this interest rate environment, I actually always got ARMS, but Really, the interest rate environment is so unusual today. A more standard interest rate for a mortgage is really between six and eight percent historically. So, when we're looking at, in some cases, upper twos, we're looking at threes, we're looking at fours for investment uh, properties. And when we look at history, which is a great way for us to help understand and learn from history because it's going to give you an indicator of what could be happening in the future. You just realize when interest rates are this low, you probably always want to go with a fixed rate. The time that you would consider an arm in this interest rate environment is if it's a substantially lower interest rate on the front end and you know that you're going to be selling that property in a year or two. So if you're doing a flip, maybe where you're going to put some cash in and you know you're going to put that property on the market in the next year or two years, an arm could be a viable option. But if you're going to hang on to the property or you don't know how long you're going to keep the property in this interest rate environment, I would definitely recommend a fixed rate. Secret number five, expect turbulence in the underwriting process and in your loan process. You might think, Karen, this isn't good news. Well, it's not, but actually it's going to help you to stay steady during the process and not get stressed out when things come along. Uh, I just experienced this with a property we just closed on in Florida. We were going through the process. Everything was good. And all at once I get an email from my lender where the underwriter was requiring, it's like they pulled something out of their hat to require. and. The, the item they were requesting didn't even exist. And so I just sent an email back to my lender and said, do you realize like this doesn't even exist? And the lender's like, I know, but it's something they're asking for. And I would like to tell you that I just completely stayed calm during the entire process, but I, I had my moments, <laughs> even with all my experience on both sides of the table. But anyway, it really helped me to just know like there's going to be things that come up in this process that could be a surprise. Now, there's been a couple closings that we've had that really nothing has come up. But in most cases, something is going to come up that might catch you by surprise. So here's some things that might be helpful with that. Just be aware of any payments that you have out there. Make sure you make those payments so that you don't have anything come up on your credit bureau 
during the process of your loan application. Um, just get your verifications, your statements in line, be prepared for that. And just know that when there's questions that are coming from an underwriter, in most cases, you can work through that and that lender is motivated. They want your loan. And so just uh, work through it, see what you can find, ask the Holy Spirit for help, which is what I did. He just brought to my remembrance some documents from way back in 2012 and 2013, and it satisfied what the underwriter was looking for. And you'll get on the other side of that until you adventure into your next real estate transaction where you will be prepared to expect a little turbulence and stay calm. Amen. All right. Secret number six negotiate the cost of a loan. I realize that mortgage lenders right now are for the most part overwhelmed with business, but they still want your business. And when they find out that you're a real estate investor, they know that it's not just about this transaction, but they want to build a relationship for when that time that maybe real estate isn't so hot and they want to stay in the business. They want relationships as well. So it's important that you understand what the standard fees are and know when to ask a lender to negotiate. And know when a lender is charging you just too much so that you can go on to the next. So following that process of talking to your banker, talking to maybe real estate brokers or lenders is helpful in getting an estimate from them uh, because you can compare the fees and compare the interest rates that they are providing for you. The specific area that is often negotiable is what we would call junk fees. Uh, these are fees that the bank or the lender is adding on that goes back to them to cover their operations. Now, we know that it is you know, good to pay people for their service, right? We don't want to work for free. So there's nothing wrong with charging fees that are standard in the loan process. People need to cover those expenses and make money. But sometimes what you'll find is that, especially in this interest rate environment where there's so much demand, the lenders are putting fees on top that are just unnecessary in this area. So these fees are generally at the top of what's called the good faith estimate. And those fees that are going right back to the lender that are the areas that you can potentially negotiate on are fees like an underwriting fee, administration fee, doc prep fee, mortgage origination fee, and the government actually requires those fees to be calculated into something called the APR so you understand how much the financing is actually costing you. And like I said, they're generally in the top section of the good faith estimate. So you generally want to stay within about 3% of the loan amount. You can even get 2%. And as you work with a lender, you should see those percentages go down as you work with that lender because they have received income from you. They're earning on the asset and you're valuable to them. And so in those cases, they oftentimes can reduce those types of fees that go directly back to the lender. Now, the areas that you really can't negotiate on are things like your taxes, because those just come from the county. Uh, you can't negotiate with the lender on your insurance fees because that's between you and your insurance provider. Title company fees are generally standard and you can't negotiate on those, although there is something called a reissue rate 
that you can talk to them about if you do plan to maybe sell that property in the near future. All right, secret number seven is manage your credit score. There are ways that you can manage your credit score. And they include things like keeping your credit card balance at 33% of the total uh, capacity or your total credit line of the credit card. Once you go over that, it can reduce your credit score and it can reduce it actually quite quickly. There's an example that I've shared that Levi was going through the process of a loan and he had um, looked at his credit card and it was almost to the max. And the reason for that was that he travels for his company and he puts all those expenses on his credit card and then the company reimburses him. Well, the lender just happened to pull the credit when his credit uh, limit was almost maxed out from this travel and he was waiting for a check and his credit score plummeted. And so working with that lender, the lender said, hey, you know, what's going on here? Levi explained what happened. He said, get the payment from your business, pay your credit card down, and I will do what's called a rescore before it goes to the underwriter. Do you know that help from the lender in managing his credit score saved him not only money initially on the closing, but it saved him money long term for the entire life of that loan because he would have been priced at a higher amount because of his low credit score, but it was easily fixed in the rescore from him just getting money from his company to pay down his credit card. It went up something like 70 points within a matter of a week because of that. So just stay on top of that and also just uh, have your lender explain to you what they know about managing credit scores. And if you are under that 760 or your credit score is lower than what you would expect, lean into them to help you to manage it, get that score back up, and then get yourself into that place of getting the best rate on your financing. And finally, secret number eight, how to raise a down payment. We can save and uh, that's good for the down payment, but sometimes we're in a position where we don't have the down payment and there's some options for you to raise a down payment that you may not have thought about. Mike Davis, who is one of our coaches, I call him my big brother. He's amazing. Uh, he had a conversation with Billy and Becky several times over the last years, and he was one of those that didn't think he could get into real estate because he didn't have any savings to speak of. And he actually told Billy, he's like, I, I can't get into real estate, I don't have any money. And Billy asked him, well, you own a home, right? And he said, yes, I do. And he said, well, how much do you owe in that home? And he said, it's gonna be paid off in three years. And Billy said, well, there's your down payment. So Mike Davis got a home equity line of credit or he did a cash out refi, one or the other, and he pulled the existing equity out of his home and he had a substantial nest egg in his home that he could use as down payments to invest in real estate. So that's one option. Another one is your IRA or retirement accounts. When I was in Colorado Springs, I worked with some guys that did a lot of flipping and they use their IRA money in a real estate IRA uh, program. You have to have a certain 
um, group, there's only certain people that can oversee that money and follow the guidelines. But that's what they used in real estate investing. And they just built a ton of wealth in their IRA through using that vehicle to fund the flipping. Also, relatives and friends, if you are buying a primary dwelling or a second home, your relatives, uh, friends, they can actually gift money to you for that purchase. And uh, we've done that with Levi to get him started. My parents helped me with that to get my first home. And when you think about it, it's really great as a parent or a grandparent, if we can gift our children money to get into a property Think about how that can set them up for life and get them started on a wealth building process. Also, you can bring in partners, which there's a lot you have to think about with that, but it's definitely an option. Just have everything laid out very clear. And there's an opportunity right now in the market with the the real estate market being at such high levels. There's a lot of investors that are looking and saying, hey, with the prices the way they are, this might be a good time for me to sell. But what's holding them back is the capital gains they would have to pay because there's been so much appreciation on that property. So there's a lot of investors right now that would consider what we call a seller financing option or a seller carry. And that means that the seller could carry part of your financing. It benefits you because you're able to get into the property without going through maybe the normal financing channels, but it helps that investor because they're not having to claim the full amount on capital gains with seller financing. And then finally, cash, stocks, bonds, insurance is something that a lot of people don't think about. But that was something else that when I was getting my first home, we didn't have a lot of money. And as I mentioned, my parents gifted us a small amount to help us. But then also when I was young, my parents bought me what's called a whole life policy where I had cash value built up in a life insurance policy. And I actually purchased one of those for Levi when he was little as well. And so I was able to take that cash value out and use that to get us into the first property. So I hope these eight secrets have been helpful for you and that you understand that the key to getting started in real estate investing is financing. I want to remind you about the Wealth Builders Real Estate Workshop that's coming up April 24th to the 26th in person in Denver, Colorado. We have a capacity of about 80 people in this workshop because we want to spend time with each of you. We sell out every time. So I want to encourage you, if you have an interest in this, don't hesitate. Get registered. We've got a special price out there right now uh, that's $747, and it's normally $997. So it's a really nice discount. Go to wealthbuilders.org events and get registered. And also, if you want to learn more about real estate, go in depth. We've got Wealth Builders University, wbuniversity.online. This is an amazing learning platform that Billy and Becky have put together where you can view past conferences. Some of the trainings that we've done in uh, different venues and different conferences, it includes the PowerPoints, the templates, they're all organized by topic. 
And each course has about six to eight lessons in it. And it is very in-depth in the area of real estate, money mastery, and personal development. I think it's the best deal around. You can join monthly for just $29 a month. But I would encourage you to do at least the annual membership, if not the lifetime membership, because that includes a monthly live mastermind call with one of the coaches, one of our speakers, and you can connect with other people in the Wealth Builders family and Wealth Builders University on those calls. And also you have the ability to ask questions live during those calls. And we generally get through all of the questions and it can be on any topic that's related to either what's being taught or anything on wealth building. So thank you again for joining me today on the Wealth Builders podcast. God bless you and have an awesome rest of the day. We hope you learned something of lasting value today from this Wealth Builders podcast. If you'd like any tools, teachings, or resources mentioned in the podcast, you'll find them online at wealthbuilders.org. Wealth Builders exists to teach you how to build wealth through applied biblical wisdom in your finances, your business, and your investments. Wealth Builders is a nonprofit organization. We depend on your donations to keep this podcast running please consider donating to us on wealthbuilders.org.